Hello, and welcome to the Historical Wisdom Podcast. This is our first episode, and it's a little different than we had originally planned. Our idea was to release the episodes a few weeks ago, but that was before we realized how severe the coronavirus pandemic is. Today, April 20th, 2020, there are over two and a half million cases worldwide and over 170,000 deaths. In the U.S., we have over 786,000 cases and 42,000 deaths. That's a lot of relations, a lot of people who matter. Given that our podcast explores historical trauma, discrimination, systematic oppression, but also how people are resilient, how Native Americans are resilient, reclaiming their lives and their knowledge. We thought that this is the right time to release our episodes, to share with you the knowledge that people have, the concerns that they have, and how we collaboratively can work together to hold the grief, to hold our losses, but also to live to think about how trauma-informed care can bring us together to share these hard moments, these challenges, and to think about how we can support and care for each other in better ways. So welcome to the Historical Wisdom Podcast. We hope you enjoy the series. Welcome to the Historical Wisdom Podcast, where we share stories of health, healing, medicine, and the histories that frame Native American experience, particularly for tribes and Native people in Riverside and San Bernardino counties, California. Each segment will explore different aspects of what historical trauma means to Native American communities and the healthcare providers who serve them. We share this knowledge with you from the perspective that to understand the history and strengths of Native Americans and how policy and institutions of medicine work, we can improve the delivery of health care and human well-being. For Chihun Piyonkinach, a Gathering of Good Minds project, I'm Juliet McMullen, and we share with you historical wisdom. The Historical Wisdom Podcast begins with our Chihum Piyunk Inach Gathering of Good Minds Project, which is a community-engaged effort where community and researchers collaboratively decided on the research topic. We decided how everything should be done in terms of collecting, analyzing, and now sharing what we learned through this podcast series. As part of our project, we visited tribal centers, clinics, and health conferences across Riverside and San Bernardino counties, and we asked Native American people and healthcare providers about their understanding of historical trauma, and also we asked them what they thought doctors should know when working with Native Americans. When we went around visiting these different sites, we asked uh, the Native American community members to share their understandings of historical trauma, and some of what they said was that many people have it. Many people have trauma. 
but that it's also related to diabetes, substance use. But these were just symptoms of historical trauma. For them, and for a lot of the research that's been done, a historical trauma is linked to loss, to being taken away from relationships with family, with the land, with food, language, and spirituality. And that this loss and oppression are still happening today. Throughout the project, we were often reminded not to put Native American experience into boxes, as if everyone's experience and reactions to traumatic events were exactly the same. We were reminded that we shouldn't talk about stories as if Native Americans were one homogenous group. What is shared are the histories of waves of colonial settlers and their intentions as evidence in actions and policies toward Native Americans. So the stories that people shared with us did have some commonalities, but they also highlighted their differences. Other than just telling you some of what we heard, we'd like to begin by having you hear for yourselves the Native knowledge, strength, and wisdom, and some of what people think providers should know as they collaborate in caring for their patients. Good afternoon. Um, my name is Cheryl Sagato. I'm from the Kuya Band of Indians. I think it, I'm not really sure what it means. I mean, to me, I think it's something that is instilled with us a long time ago from our parents, our grandparents, and it's passed on down. And I don't think that we had the hardship that they did, but I know that we, we were brought up poor, you know, but, and we all talk about it yet today, that, you know, we didn't know what that meant to mm-hmm. us because everybody was like that, you know. And I think that's part of the thing that we'd, I'd like the doctors to understand is that, you know, we did come from hardship, you know, and it's hard to trust anybody, you know. When we lived in Pechanga for years, and when a car would come, we would run and hide. And we still, to this day, don't know why we did that, you know. And I don't know something because instilled in um, from our parents down to us that it was something that they did because they took the kids then. And maybe that was something that just in our in our DNA, I guess. I don't know where it came from, but we were afraid when people came that we didn't know them. We'd hide. I, that's why I think I would like the doctors to know that. It's going to take a while for us to trust, you know, really trust you. And and as long as you keep that trust and you and you tell your patients, you know, this is what I'm going to do for you and whatever they, they're going to do, they need to do it. They need to stick with it, you know. We've had a lot of doctors come and go here, and I think that was the hardest thing when we opened Indian Health. We had a doctor, you liked that person, and then next thing you know, they were gone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, what happened to that doctor? But the reason was is they were here, they got their internship, and then they moved on, you know. So that was hard because all the time you came here, you always seen a different doctor, you know. And, and I think that that's why you don't have a lot of the trust that you did with the doctors is because they weren't here. I think that's what they need to understand is it's just – just be patient with our people, especially with the elder people, you know. Sometimes they don't understand. They don't know what the computers are, the smartphones. They don't know that stuff, you know. Help them out, you know, and be there for them. Always be helpful to our people. I think that's the main thing. Julie Andrews, Sichango, Lakota. When I think about historical trauma, what comes up for me from working in the community but also from my own family history is that importance of identity. We oftentimes talk about how much blood we have or whether we're enrolled or not, and and that's an external measure of our Native identity. Um, we talk about um, 
high rates of alcoholism or drug addiction or violence in our communities and in our families and, and those resulting effects being the problems that we see in the clinics, such as depression and anxiety and complex traumas and, and all of those things which affect our ability to be able to participate in our own treatment, whether it's medical or mental or substance use. Mihwen Neneto, Mike Madrigal, Kawiinga. Hi, I'm Michael Madrigal. I'm a member of the Kawiya Band of Indians. I've grown up at the Saboba Reservation, and I continue to work at Saboba. And and just this year, I am also a full-time graduate student at UC Riverside. One of the first questions we had for you was about the strengths of the community. What are some of the things that are key for your community? Our biggest strengths include our culture, our language, our history, our elders. Personally, I've been really tremendously blessed by having the opportunity to spend time with elders and to learn from our tribal elders. I realize now that uh, the younger generations today don't have that same opportunity that I had when I was a child. So that's making me think that it is time for me to take that responsibility to ensure that our tribal stories, history, culture, language are passed along to the new generations. And, um, you know, I have nephews and nieces and great-nephews and great-nieces and I realize that um, there's a lot that I've picked up from my elders that I need to pass along to them now. I think that that richness of our tribal culture and history is a tremendous strength that we all need to share with each other. It helps us to understand who we are, where we've been, where we're heading, helps us to remember what things are really important in life. As a Kawia Luiseno person, I know that the most important things in life are uh, my own relationship to Creator, my own relationship to my family, extended family, uh, my own uh, responsibilities in my larger community, and um, that ability to keep up those connections that are part of our traditional culture. Um, so that, again, is one of our tremendous strengths that uh, we all know that we're connected to each other. Uh, even if we're not immediate family members, we know that we share a common heritage and that we have... Um, these teachings and values that we've learned from our ancestors that hold us together and that give us strength for our lives and for our journey in life moving forward. I think that those those strengths can go a long ways towards keeping us healthy, making us a healthier community. You know, for example, understanding that being outdoor, uh, having time on the land is something that's not only healthy physically, but it also is part of keeping us whole in a spiritual and emotional, psychological way. That's a very basic part of our culture. 
to um, to know um, who the, the our our family are because our family is not only our fellow human beings but also the plants and the animals, the mountains, the lakes, the sky, the sun, the moon. I also know that uh, remembering what our ancestors have lived and what they valued helps me to put meaning into my own life and to guide and center my own journey in life. And I think another good strength is that um, most people in our community realize that education is a tremendous tool for us that um, in the past has been denied to a lot of our community, but that those doorways are opening now and uh, that we can use education not only to expand our own quality of life and field of knowledge, but that we can also use education to answer bigger questions and to address problems that are confronting our whole community. I think it is important for the doctors always to be open-minded and willing to consider that there are many different modes for healing and that a lot of people in the reservation communities will want to include those other modes for healing which which could like i say be paying attention to their traditional foods remembering their traditional culture using song for healing uh, using the traditional plants i also think it's important for the medical providers to know that Sometimes people will have a hard time opening up and sharing about those things because they might be thinking, well, the doctor will not understand that at all, and it's uh, you know a totally separate part of my life, and I shouldn't have to share it with the doctor. So it probably would take some time to have a client, a patient, feel comfortable sharing about those kinds of things. So... At first, they may not want to talk about these kinds of uh, traditional or alternative ways of healing in the community. But I think if the doctors are open to that and patient and maybe encouraging of those kinds of discussions, that their patients would eventually be willing to share about what those things are that they're used to practicing in their own lives that can also be part of their healing process. Miss Lupe Luna, I am Maidu, Wintu, Pomo, Yaki, and Washoe. I uh, reside in Marysville, California, and I sit on the Tribal Council of Greenville Rancheria. I'm a Tribal Council rep. The strengths that my community has is we're very famous for our basket weavers, very famous for the coil kind of basket weaving with willow and redbud. It's slowly diminishing away. I know that we're trying to bring it back. Same thing with our language. Our language had been sleeping for quite some time. We're trying to bring that back as well. So I'm trying to learn it as well as teaching the other community. I know that despite the termination act and the boarding schools and the massacres that occurred, Heard here in California, and our family, or many indigenous people actually, are very resilient because of the fact we're here today. Well, even though that we had lost our land, we had lost our land in 1978 because of the Termination Act, we got recognition in 83 
we were able to start our constitution in 95. Mm -hmm. And as of today, we don't have, you know, a trust land or fee land in place for Greenville Rancheria. But we do have two medical clinics that we have expanded. We started out with one small little office and now we're having two large, um, pretty good size. We're at our capacity right now with our medical and dental facilities and we're planning on expanding that. So that I can say that we are resilient in that part in the healthcare. And that's an, another strength that we have. To give knowledge to our, our providers, not everybody experienced the trauma the same way the white man had expressed it. A lot of people experience trauma in different forms. There's forms of spiritual trauma, there's emotional, mental, intellectual, sexual, physical, so much trauma, abuse that they've experienced that, you know, everybody lashes out in a different way. Even just the smell of somebody's cologne or somebody's perfume can trigger my trauma and have me lash out on somebody that had nothing to do with what happened to me. And I can be angry and frustrated and take my anger out on that person even though that person did nothing to me just by smelling their cologne or smelling their perfume or just by the way they walk or by the way they talk. Even little, little things that the, a person does can trigger a person's trauma. And the providers need to understand that not everybody experienced the same trauma all at the same time and everybody's going to react the same way. Everybody reacts a different way. Everybody's different. And they need to understand that, you know, the trauma that we've experienced, we experience it in a way that people don't understand. You know, I, I get frustrated and I get angry at the stereotype of, you know, that's the past. Get over it. It's done and over with. It's not. It's still in our mind, still within us that we have to carry on for the rest of our life and we have to find a way to be able to be humble, be able to uh, succeed in life. You're not, not so much financially, but spiritually, emotionally, mentally, to be understanding of that we can still go, keep going forward despite the, all the struggles that we have experienced in our past. And I want the providers to understand that, you know, it ain't easy. And I want providers to understand that, you know, to put themselves in our shoes to see that what we have to face on a daily basis, knowing that we are people of color, we are different. It's a trauma that we face on a daily basis, and that's something that, you know, providers need to understand that, you know, we react different. We're not the same people as we were 10, like, 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. We're, I think we're now more resilient, we're more knowledgeable, and there is more empowerment that we are facing today that back then we didn't know. You know we're empowering the empowerment, and that makes us strong, that makes us resilient, that makes us knowledgeable. And I think providers don't understand that because of all the trauma that we experience, we are still here today. And they need to understand that, you know, just because it happened 100 years ago, it still affects us today. Dressmaking and our language program picked up a little bit. And so we were more focused on our strengths and what we could do to help ourselves. The awesome part is that there are more people that are clean and sober from alcohol and meth. I'm hopeful and we still have a long ways to go, but we are 
promoting hope through our culture and through the elders coming together and actually being uh, more advocates for one another. And we're starting to hold our tribal government accountable for things they should be doing. So I'm hopeful and we've never lost our cultural practices. We've pretty much sustained those. There was just a short time when no one across the nation could do their ceremonies and we had to stop too. But we kind of went underground and we've always had our songs. Our language is still in question because we don't use it on a daily basis and it's not spoken in homes that that's where we need to go in order to save it. But we've never lost our songs and we've never lost our ceremonies. So we have a, a strong cultural mantle in that way. I'm really hopeful that we can continue working to understand trauma-informed care and understanding historical trauma and intergenerational grief. But you have people that are resistant also, and it's difficult because some people don't want to talk about that darkness, afraid that it will bring it back. So we'll continue making that, the changes that need to be made because our people are resilient. We've come a long ways. We hope to continue. Sure, my name's Stacia. Stacia, okay. Thank you so much for talking with us. Um, so there's two basic questions that we want to ask. One, um, the first one is, can you talk about some of the strengths of the community, um, whether it's Saboba or all the tribes that are living in this area, and then um, how those strengths help heal? Well, because my opinion of healing and, and what you do for it are probably not coincidental with the community. Okay. Um, I do sweat lodge, mm. and to me that's the ultimate healing, you know? Um, and there's not many that believe in it or even want to go down that route. There are, there's more what I want to say, Catholics, and, and I, I don't know, are you talking spiritual healing or, or... However, so spirit, so when you, if you could tell me a little bit about Sweat Lodge and how that's healing, um, well, and it can be spiritual or physical, whichever. Well, coming from, from a broken home um, and uh, alcoholism, drug abuse, um, I tried AA, but I couldn't stay sober that way until I incorporated my roots. And that I had to dig deep for. Uh, um, I joined other Indian communities in, in um, Sundance, Sweat Lodge. And, and, but at the end of the day, to me, you know, I was doing that, Lakota and all that, and, and I'm not Lakota. I was, uh, I'm Luceno. And um, so, because there's not too much information and not people willing to give that information of a long time ago, I decided to just bring that sweat lodge home. 
I did the protocol for running a sweat lodge, and and that's what I do. Uh, I run that sweat lodge for women because I I know there's a lot of women out there that are hurting or were hurt just as I was in, in abusive relationships and, and all that. And that's, to me, is the only thing that really kept me sober, is my commitment to that, that sweat lodge. Um, and I've been sober for almost 10 years now, and that's a miracle in itself, you know. Um, that's wonderful. I, I had a reach way back, way back um, to when I was a child and get that feeling of uh, love and, and hope and all that through, and it, I think it was mostly through my mother, Mother Earth. I remember running and playing out in the, out in the uh, hills and all that, and that's what really, really made me happy. And with the sweat lodge, you're close to your mother, you're crawling in the dirt and you're doing all that. And, and that just makes me happy and it makes me have a, a sense of secureness because what I've learned and I, I know I'm just at the tip, I still got a long ways to go. Our Mother Earth is, is healing and, and, and just being quiet within her womb, the, the sweat lodge is, her, is considered a mother's womb. And, and being in there and, and praying and for not only for myself but for all the women on the reservation and, and all reservations, it's to me in itself one of the biggest healings I've ever got. Thank you to all the people who shared their wisdom. Future episodes will continue to build on what we heard today. These include building on understandings and experience with historical trauma. Today, we also talked about what Native Americans say healthcare providers should know about Native Americans. And importantly, we talked about Native resilience. When working with the concept of historical trauma, it is critical that we acknowledge that if we are to have any understanding of the experience of Native Americans in California and throughout the nation, we must consider the long history of genocidal acts, cultural suppression, and oppression of tribal traditions and its effects on Native American health. And so many of these activities still go on today. Importantly, we must remember that despite this systematic oppression, people survived. Native Americans are here, alive, and reclaiming and putting into action their lives, knowledge, practices, and their leadership. So to move forward, we need to think about how to build trust, create safe spaces and choices. And to do that, we need collaboration and encouragement as part of what happens in the clinic and in our encounters with patients and providers. All of this is part of practicing trauma-informed care. Hearing each other's stories, knowledge, and practices is how we begin. How we begin building trust, safety, and collaboration. 
Alawa for listening to Historical Wisdom. We trust that it will help you as you care for yourself and others. Additional wisdom and references about historical trauma and complete interviews can be found on our website, gogm.live. Alawa to Sean Milanovic for sharing the opening and closing bird songs. The podcast was produced by Juliet McMullen and our Chihun Pionk Inach Steering Committee and edited by Catherine Rodriguez and Wyatt Kelly. Content was developed in conversations with community members and our Chihun Pionk Inach Steering Committee that include Sherry Salgado, Luella Thornton, Julie Andrews, Holly Bronner, Veronica Espinoza, Jonelle John, Michelle Opsal, Gina Hughes, Catherine Rodriguez, Ann Cheney, Kendall Shumway, Wyatt Kelly, Sean Milanovic, Amanda Marquez, Lorene Sisqua, Clifford Trafster, and Jackie Wise Spirit. The Historical Wisdom Podcast is funded through an engagement award from the Patient Centered Outcomes Research Institute. Aloha from the Chihun Piyunk Inach Project, www.gogm.live. Oh.